Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. In this episode, I'd like you to meet Judy, Theo and Chloe. Three mums who proved that there's a hell of a lot more bubbling under the surface on the school run than the fixed smiles and cheery hellos let on. Hello, lovely ladies. Thank you very much for coming and chatting to me today. I really, really appreciate it. Can we go around the virtual room and just say hello and so that they can put a name to the voice? Hello. Hello. My name's Judy. Hi, I'm Theo. Glad to be here. Hi, I'm Chloe. I really appreciate you coming because I get how daunting it can be to talk about this. Crazy though that is. This is something that we're all going through, but we all tend to go through it alone, really. And that's one thing I absolutely want to change with this podcast. And so I'm going to start with a sort of fairly basic, not that they get any trickier, it's not not like a test, but um, a basic question about sort of, so what was going on in your life when you first started to feel, oh, hang on a minute, might these be menopausal symptoms? Um, well, I don't actually fully remember what was happening. I, I know I just started to try and do a course at work. I just had to reset my GCSEs because I'm so old I couldn't find my qualifications <laughs> and they couldn't find them on in their archives. So I just started to do that and just I remember thinking, oh, I'm so tired. I can't concentrate on this. I can't remember what she's just said to me. I was just very, very anxious and very fretful. And that wasn't you normally. I think of you as a very confident and... I think it depends where I am. In work where I'm know what I'm doing do you know what I mean I, I can be calm but but it was more than that it was proper anxiety that when I you know if I go onto this like study space with other people I didn't know what to say I couldn't remember basic things I, and I'd get off and think oh oh my gosh they must think I'm so stupid and then I started to get like hot sweats and and I thought that was all down to anxiety so it wasn't for a I don't know, six months on that, I thought, I'm having a hot sweat now that I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Feel a layer off. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was it was that starting that to do that course and with colleagues and thinking, oh, every, I, I can't, I don't seem to know what they know. Yeah. And, and they seem to be really calm and I seem to be sweating and I'm terribly anxious and anxiety wasn't something that you'd felt previously was this a new I mean was this a new yes I mean I can be a bit nervous around new people I do you know but it was it was different to that it was a total like fear like something you know is something terrible is going to happen I you know I'm going to be the only person you know like I'm going to be found stood naked that kind <laughs> of rational anxiety <laughs> then yeah 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 yeah. My God, that's so debilitating though, isn't it? It's the idea that you're trying to do something to further your career yeah. and this just sort of washes over you. And so did mm. you put 
two and two together or was it just like, why am I feeling like this? Oh, well, crack on. Yeah, basically, I crack on, don't be so silly, pull yourself together type of thing. And it wasn't until that anxiety started to flood into my I'm sorry, can you hear my dog growling? <laughs> but then don't worry, because my dog's been barking in the background as well. Like, well, she's, she's just watching nature and she makes a funny noise. <laughs> this is the real life version, not the Instagram version. That's my whole motto. I just don't want you to think it's like my stomach rumbling <laughs> or something. Yeah, as it moved into my private life, so then it started to be anxiety about the children. That was, that was one of my biggest, biggest things and trying to explain that to my husband because he was like what I said every time they leave me I think someone's going to take them or you know they're going to get run over or and that was a real visceral genuine feeling of dread yeah and they'd go like in school I'd you know I work in the same building as them but I'd I'd see them in and then I'd think what if they haven't locked the doors at school what if what if somebody comes in and and crazy gunman comes in and and shoots them. Oh my you know, God. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like because that just happened on the news, so you think about it. It was crazy things like, you know, what if something smashes into the classroom? Where's the OCT? Oh my Lord. That is really, yeah. that's really debilitating, yeah. Chloe. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, I thought, oh, I think I might be going either cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> or something is wrong. Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you go and seek help? Yes, I went to the doctors. <laughs> you say that with complete resignation. Well, that was my first yeah. mistake. No, my first mistake was going to a female doctor. And that sounds an awful thing to say because I am yeah. a female. Um, but, but maybe my expectations, because she was a woman, were, but she was a woman who, to me, um, appeared to be sort of menopausal age or, you know, thereabouts. Um and I guess I just expected her to understand because by then I'd started to Google stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm getting hot flushes. I'm very anxious. I'm, I'm so tired. Um, yeah. And she just did my bloods, which I think we all know now is really rubbish. Apparently it depends completely on the day, doesn't it? Yeah. They can, they can exactly. fluctuate. Yeah. So she just did my bloods and said, no. And apparently it's, she didn't tell me this, a different doctor did, but apparently it's above 30 on your FSH and I think I'm about 9.5. So not even close, could like be further away if I tried to the menopause. So, but she was very dismissive, you know, she, and she phoned me and I could hear her going, (sighs) no. Yeah. And tutting, you know, when I was saying to her, look, you know, I, I, I think someone's going to like steal my children. I can't get out of my head. I'm so hot and, you know, sweat is dripping down my body. And, you know, and by this, by this point of, of me sort of engaging in this, I then become, I've got terribly itchy ears and my eyes are dry and I'd started to get ulcers and, you know, just lots of other little things had started to happen. And she was just very dismissive. She tutted and she sighed yeah. and she said, oh, I just think you're depressed. And I was like, well, I am depressed All because... All these awful things are happening to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I really am feeling quite depressed about it because, you know, I, I, my body hurts and I get up in the morning and I've got two small children. You know, they're only eight and ten. Yeah. You know, and they still... Need you. You know, my, my son thinks I'm a climbing frame and my daughter thinks I'm an emotional punch bag. Yeah. I've still got lots going on, you know, and I and she was just like, oh, you're just depressed take some antidepressants and I remember saying to her oh great thanks yeah well they stop all my other symptoms as well and she just went oh no as if you know, what so you haven't got these symptoms 
just depressed. Take these, oh, go away. Wow. And I was really upset because I just thought I came to you because I actually thought as an older woman, yeah, I could talk to someone. Yeah. And it made me feel like a silly little child. That's appalling, isn't it? But I think we've all got medical horror stories. But as you say, there's something, something maybe it's naive of us to think that a female doctor will have a little bit more compassion. Judy, you really struggled. I fell in totally the same boat. It took me about two years to figure it out. Went to a female doctor as well. Similarly felt dismissed. And I think the only suggestion to me, because after my bloods were taken and they didn't fall into the right little box, yeah. I can recommend CBT to you. And I said, uh, no, I, th- I can think this one through. I don't need CBT <laughs> with it. And I, I tried to be a bit more directive about it, but I just walked away sort of my head hung low um, and put it on the back burner a bit and sort of just plodded on again. Plodded on. That's the, that's the problem, isn't it? And so what happened? You didn't take up the CBT, no. which is cognitive behavioural therapy. So is that like a six-week course or something? I mean, isn't that the point of CBT? It's, it's something like that. Therapy, but very specific and very yeah. short. And I felt like I, I, I sort of diagnosed myself already in a way and thought there was something going on with my hormones. But because I didn't uh, fall into the right boxes, and, and she actually said to me that at that time, they're not um they're not prescribing hrt they're sort of you know they were um they didn't think it was uh good to to, to prescribe it but then but then it was the wave later on when then it started getting more how long ago was this then this wasn't that long ago though to be told you're not it's not like you're talking about you know 10 years ago five years ago five years ago five five, six years ago so you are the person that taught me the phrase perimenopausal. Good to die. <laughs> I had never heard it until we were walking down the road and you went, I think I might be perimenopausal. And I was like, you might be what? what? You were the person that first put it into my... Yeah, I Google diagnosed that myself with that. <laughs> yeah, we're all GPs, aren't we? Google practitioners. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And Theo, this is your thing though, isn't it? Because you are at the stage where you're, am I? Am I not? Yeah, I have I have literally no idea. You know, I'm coming at this from totally the other way. I feel like a fraud being here. You're not a fraud being here. Can I talk about this? Can I talk about this? <laughs> For the listeners, I send everyone a little little questionnaire. Fun, fun questionnaire to do. And you're you put quite a few of the symptoms, you tick them. So I think you're not fraudulent to be here saying, you know, this is how I'm feeling now. And as we've all just said, perimenopausal can be years of yeah. things happening. It's, it's really good to listen to other people's stories, actually. It's not something you talk about on the school run. Hi, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm having a horrible hot flash or something. You know, so it's really good that we can actually sit here and talk about it. Because so many of the things that people are talking about, you know, brain fog, tiredness, mood swings, you know, I feel, yeah, I'm experiencing those. But to be honest... I just put it down to the domestic fuckery of looking after small children, you know. And I thought, oh, it's baby brain. My baby is now four years old. How long does baby brain go on for? That is the problem, isn't it? All of it, especially the perimenopausal mental ones, you know, the tiredness, the brain fog, that they can all be stresses and strains of the delights of being a modern woman (laughs) and having it all. You know, you're looking after elderly parents, you're looking after young kids, you know, and you just think, well, of course I'm knackered. But, But actually we need to be 
looking after ourselves a bit more. Yeah. I'm going to get off my soapbox and allow you to talk. Are you feeling more now that maybe this is something that is perimenopausal? I can't string a sentence together half the time. I just grunt at people and smile and hope that that's sufficient. <laughs> I can't remember things, you know. Um, facts that I've, I've always known, you know, um, areas of expertise that I pride myself on having yeah. a lot of knowledge and attention to detail. It's all yeah. gone out of the window. Yeah. And, you know, I feel a bit anxious talking about it because you feel stupid talking about things like that, don't you? And also, I think maybe because, you know, as a female, we're told, oh, you're stupid and hormonal, get over it. You know, you're a stroppy teenager, it's hormones, you know, like Joan of Arc or something. Then you're a hysterical yeah. hormonal mother, yeah. get on with it, the baby's yeah. fine, you know. And now I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm another example of a hysterical hormonal female. You know, I don't really want to com- admit this to people, you know. Well, I think that is one of the issues, isn't it? I remember listening on the radio to an amazing company that were doing menopausal work workshops in the workplace, they went into a, an amazing law firm. And so these incredibly high-powered female lawyers were walking up going, no, 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 don't do this. This is just another stick for the men to beat us with. We don't want to be classified as falling apart. The thing is, though, if, if we all support one another and we help one another, we don't have to fall apart. It's the hiding by ourselves and saying like, you know, oh, this isn't really happening. Chloe, you've had some really bad physical symptoms, haven't you? I ticked all the boxes, India, all of them. The only one you didn't tick was insomnia and night sweats. I think my pen had run out of ink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't have insomnia. In fact, I could just fall asleep now, sat here talking to you. I don't have insomnia. Um, insomnia is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't. Um, but you did genuine. I mean, you got ting, 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 full house on that menopause symptom checker, which is like some of those are hideous. Mm. And were you saying that you've got osteoarthritis? I've got osteoarthritis, which I would have had anyway, he said to me, but it looks like it's been... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Here you go. Here yeah, yeah, well, that's fine. We're all menopause. None of us. We're here, we're here to help. Brought on by the menopause. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been brought on earlier. What's that word? Accelerated. Thank you. That's the one. The only reason I could say that is because I've copied and pasted your uh, answers. And so I just looked behind <laughs> my microphone and the word accelerated by menopause, you had very coherently written on your answers. The only reason I can say oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I copied off his... And the base of my spine, I, and yeah, I would have gotten that, but he said I've got it earlier um, because of this. And then I think he's called it perimenopausal arthritis, but I think it can come under both menopause or perimenopausal arthritis, which basically mimics rheumatoid arthritis, he said to me. So I have appendicitis rheumatoid arthritis and we have all the same symptoms. And the only benefit for me is that apparently it will go when I get out the other side of menopause. Um, And I don't want to terrify anybody, but um, perimenopause can last for up to 12 years. Actually, I was talking to Dr. Katie Barber, our resident medical expert, and I was saying the terms are just so complicated. You know, it's like, am am I perimenopausal? Am I menopausal? You know, the idea that actually two of you were told, go away, you're not menopausal. It's like the worst symptoms happen in perimenopause when you've still got your periods. She said, don't think about menopause and perimenopause because menopause is a like, you know, a retrospective (sighs) diagnosis. It's only 
after you haven't had a period for 12 months, then you're like, oh, I am menopausal now. And then you're postmenopausal. Like, so menopause lasts for like, what, a day until you realize that you're, <laughs> you know, my periods have stopped. You're like, so I think we need to stop with the menopause means all of it because mm-hmm. I'm afraid to say, yeah, symptoms yeah. can carry on postmenopausally as well. I was like, oh, is that, is that really? it's not really the case because I thought once you hit that ding dong menopause, you're like, yay, hello, life. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, as we all know, I'm not a medical expert. Uh, that's why I have one on tap. I will talk to her about that because, but I think I've read somewhere that they, they can, but then, you know, it's like, how long is a piece of string? Yeah. But isn't that interesting about the whole process that we don't really know? You know, I mean, the whole thing is so nebulous. It's like folklore. You know, we're we're straws here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yet it happens to every single woman. It's the idea that, like, pregnancy doesn't happen to every single woman, but you can have a book that tells you, like, you know, your fetus is the size of a cashew nut this yeah. week and the size of a grape <laughs> next week. Yeah. And it's like, you know, every, where, is yeah. the, where are the manuals for the menopause? Yeah, and you end up, you know, you, my, my primary information is things that people have mentioned to me, you know, when I've been picking up my kids at school and I thought, oh, God, you know, is that me as well? You know, it's, it's crazy. It's so true. Because I just think I've learned something from Chloe because I, I, I felt like I, I got, um, okay, we're finding difficulties. Um, <laughs> Fine. Arthritis in my foot. And now I'm thinking that I might be on the similar path as you, but because I've got such brain fog, I didn't go to my ultrasound appointment last week. <laughs> And so I can't even figure that out. (laughs) I think joints, aching joints is a massive one, which I didn't realise. Lots of people I speak to have talked about aching joints and this plantar fasciitis, which I didn't even know was a thing. The most incredible, you didn't have that on your list, so it didn't tick it. Um, The most, particularly in my right foot, in the arch of my foot, it's a pain that shoots like into my foot and it's like... And I think people must look at me because I live so close to the school and I drive very often because sometimes I literally get up and I'm like Dick Emery yeah. trying to cross the London because there's, there isn't like a part of my body that doesn't hurt and I'm, I can't put my feet down and, and then my knees hurt to get down the stairs. I have to do it like one by one and yeah. yeah. And then sometimes I just have to pour myself into the car to get just up the hill because although it's not very far, I have to go up yeah, the hill yeah. and my legs just protest too much. Is this why we don't talk about it, though? Because, you know, we're worried that we're getting old. I mean, you know, like my my joints and my hands have been really, really aching. And I thought, oh, God, I'm getting old. Great. It's another thing to look yeah. forward but to. But I think that's part of the conversation because we need to know that actually this isn't just, oh, well, this is part of ageing. Here we go. I'll just like, you know, pull up a wingback chair and wait for death. <laughs> this is something that we can do something about. But then... That becomes more tricky, doesn't it? Chloe, you can't take HRT or you choose not to. I choose not to because I know, I I mean, I did watch the Davina thing and that, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is, but I have a very high rate of cancer in my family and in both sides. And it's just something that's always kind of been the back of my mind. Um, So... And I, my mum died when I was 23. So she obviously, she, I don't know if she got to menopause. She was 50. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming she possibly 
started, but I, it's not something we'd had a conversation. And if she talked to me, I don't remember I was drunk or something. Um, so I don't know. My sister's had small, um, symptoms like sweats and a bit of anxiety and stuff. Um, I love the fact that you say those are small symptoms. I love just the minor, like, you know, sweats and anxiety. <laughs> um, she went to the doctors and they wouldn't give her HRT because she hadn't, her periods hadn't stopped. So they said, no, you're not, you're perimenopausal. There we go again. I know. Um, so we can't, we can't give you HRT if you're perimenopausal. Oh my goodness. They say this with such authority. It's like, I'm, my periods hadn't stopped. I'm on HRT. Yeah. And like, you know, this idea that go away until you're menopausal is just so against what everyone's saying now. So she did. She went away until she was a bit more menopausal. Yeah. And then she came back and she got it. Um, she went on t- onto it. She was happy to go onto yeah. it. Um, well, it is a personal choice, isn't it? Even with yeah. even with risk. I mean, you know, in the same family, your sister chose to do it, and you've chosen not to. And I think that's the point. Yeah. There's no right and wrong. Everyone's uh, menopause is as individual as they are, mm-hmm. and you need to be the expert in your own menopause, but on coherent and up-to-date information, not on hearsay and a male doctor saying, like, go away until you're menopausal because you can't have it. Obviously, the male doctor, the female doctor mm. thing, for me, it was the other way around. I chose not go, not to go back to my doctor because she had so offended yeah. me um, that I went to a younger, I'd say mid-30s, maybe late-30s doctor, male, and he just said to me, run my bloods again, and, and they were the same. They were like nine or whatever. I See, I don't understand that because I haven't had my bloods, or I certainly wasn't given my results. I was just told, we've had your bloods. When you said you need to be 30, you're menopausal if your FSH is 30. 30 or above. Right, and you were nine, right. Yeah, I was nine. My daughter's probably got a higher FSH yeah. than <laughs> Um, yeah, so he just said, come back, do your bloods. The same thing happened. He was the one who gave me my results, not her. I never knew my results before. It was him that said, this is what they read at. And he said, come in and see me. And it was him when I went through all of my symptoms, he said to me, had you have come to see me first, I may have looked at menopause, but I also think I might've gone down the route of autoimmune, which is how I ended up going to a consultant because he thought I might've had lupus or rheumatoid arthritis based on the symptoms that I had alongside the hot flushes. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was him that actually pushed me down that route. And it, what, when I got to the consultant, he did, then did obviously like a full 10 vials of blood. And that's how we arrived at um, menopausal arthritis and how he said, basically, it, it mimics RA. So these are those symptoms. And then you've also, on top of that, got all of these, which are clearly um, menopausal symptoms. And so you're... Just taking anti-inflammatories, so like ibuprofen, is that? Oh, no, no, I take a proper um, prescribed right. um, anti-inflammatory painkiller okay. every night. Does that help? It has a little bit, but I don't know if it's starting to wear off or whether it's... You get used to it, yeah, cumulative Sorry. thing, yeah. Yeah, whether that or whether it's just, it gets worse, I don't know. And I can't seem to lose any weight, so I suppose my weight doesn't, you know, help on my joints that they had. And it's also not, it's not uh, easy, is it? If you're in your situation where you were saying, you know, I can barely get across the landing to the bathroom in the morning and yet people go, well, if you can't take HRT, then, you know, exercise. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're like, I can't, I can't do that. It's yeah. really doubly hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, when you feel quite low, just to sit and eat a carrot all yeah. day 
It's like the small things that give you yeah. joy, isn't it? You know, a glass of wine, a yeah. family-sized block of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Little things that make you feel a wee bit better. But the other option I've got is to go on to a, a proper rheumatoid arthritis drug, which would probably be, you know, a three-year program. Mm. And I guess I'm just, it's more drugs, isn't it? So I've tried to do vitamins and I've tried to take eat food that I know is good for that. And also if you I suppose if you have in your mind that this is menopausal arthritis so therefore hopefully will mm. lessen and mitigate as you get through yeah. it. Wow, hats off to you. That's that's hard. Yeah. And that's all with juggling a job and her kids and <laughs> yeah. This is what we do though, isn't it? But I mean, so Judy you're on HRT, aren't you? Yeah. So you told them CBT, no thanks. No thanks. And then well, then what happened? Finally came back to it because the mood swings got too extreme and I felt too guilty about being this screaming possessed woman at home and, and feeling, what is wrong with me? Mm. Reading up enough. And then I, I went back to the GP, a different one, different female one, and she gave me some information leaflets. <laughs> <laughs> and wrote down a list of websites for me to look at. I went away with it. After telling her what I think I needed, that's what I went away with. And when I got home and actually took it on board, I thought, oh, God, do I have to actually read up about this again? And then so I decided I, I left it again because I was just it's so tiring to keep on asking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then um, I think I gave it a bit. I gave it another window. And then I went in there. I said, I want the um, referral to uh, to get my coil. I really uh, um, and I'm going to do the patch. And she prescribed it on the phone for me. But even then, the referral went to the wrong place, and then I had to get re referred. And then um, after that, another month of it. Yeah, I got sorted, and it's helped. It's helped me out. But it wasn't. It wasn't an instant. No, but I just didn't understand why these GPs. I wasn't getting what I wanted from them. They weren't forthcoming within with the suggestions, but they were also hindering in some ways trying to to access it. Yeah, and then just feeling absolutely tired of the whole thing, it just prolonged the whole journey. Yeah, and when you got HRT though, it wasn't plain sailing for you though, was it? Um, no. Well, when I when I got it, well, well, this was my introduction to your Katie Barber. Yeah, and she was. The, the, the light and loveliness and her confidence, her voice and her knowledge, it just showed how how sort of different it is for all the medics out there. Mm. She instilled that confidence in me that it was the right decision. Her and her her um, her partner in crime at the clinic, and I'm just so happy she still does her NHS clinic alongside all her private work. So yeah, yeah, she is an amazing, amazing woman. And you said that you were holding whose whose hand were you crushing as they were? <laughs> I forget her nurse's name, but yeah, she said, "Oh, you're strong." <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized when I was in the, I was in the, I was in there, and we were. She was so lovely and trying to distract me from what was all the fiddling that was going on down there, and um, and and we were just having a laugh. It was so nice. And I got out and I realized it was really quiet in the waiting room there. And I thought, they've just heard my whole appointment <laughs> about, oh, what's it looking like down under? And then when, I was so embarrassed when I got out of there that um, I lost my way to the exit. And there was someone um, who had to direct me, goes, oh, no, 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 no that's the way to the stairwell. Like, oh, God, just get me home now. <laughs> 
And you are feeling, are you feeling better with it? Is it? I'm feeling better. I feel like it's cushioned the, the mood swings. I feel like I've gotten a bit of my old self because it just felt like out of a month, you had a good two weeks of being completely out of control and possessed. And then what's wrong with you and tears and um, being at work and thinking, I just can't keep up with all these freaking young 20 year olds. What's wrong with me? How do I do it? I, I, I used to be able to do this job. And now I can't anymore. And then it dawns on you that, oh, this might be what's going on. It's that time of month. And then, and then you've got a, a week of just figuring it out and then, and then getting possessed again. And I just feel it's softened that blow. I'm not a screaming banshee at home. Yeah. The guilt of, of that is gone. And my husband doesn't say what's wrong with you, even though I trip over things and, you know, I forget where that, wherever I put something that's softened, but it, I feel like I, I actually want to go back and, and, and get it sort of reviewed because like, yeah. I'm going to go bald soon. I swear my hair is thinning <laughs> so much and I'm worried about that next. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I must say I'm, uh, I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm sort of thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Do I need to tweak things? Uh-huh. Do I need... But that's the thing. Nobody's told. And it's also not a miracle drug, is it? I mean, yeah. like, it's not going to suddenly make me no. remember every word. <laughs> but it's it's a... You know, it is an individual thing, isn't it? And is this something, Theo, is this something that you would consider? You were saying that your mum was very, sort of very anti-HRT. Yes, yeah. So late 80s, early 90s, my mum. Which was the time of the major scaremongering, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. And also sort of, you know, stories were going around school, you know, oh, HRT comes from mare's urine, the horses aren't kept in a good way. and Well, to be fair, it did. <laughs> you know, there were sort of, you know, lots of sort of, you know, young people I realize now you know telling old women what they should or should not be doing or older women and um so my mum you know decided that she was going to go it alone and you know she had bottles of you know St John's wort and evening primrose oil scattered liberally around the kitchen which didn't seem to do any good because she spent I'm sure most of the 80s shouting at us all <laughs> and um so were you aware then? Because I must say I was I was like blissfully unaware of my mum's well, menopause. She, she wasn't, she didn't talk about it openly. Yeah. But, you know, and, and uh, you know, to some extent, you know, I find myself in the same situation. You know, I'm at home, I'm trying to work, I've got the children to look after, you know, all of those things that, you know, make life difficult. Yeah. But it probably was the menopause. You know, I can see that now and I feel childish saying that. And asking her about it now, though, I have a totally different picture. You know, she does this amazing thing that women seem to do, which is, oh, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. You know, I had one day, she said to me, you know, when I had a wet sweat, you know, completely, you know, completely sweated, filled my shoes and then I was fine. Yeah, but this is the same woman that told me that childbirth was absolutely fine. I've had worse period pains, she said. Oh. You know, and I think perhaps this is what we do when we talk about what we've been through. You know, after it's like, oh, it was all right. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. yeah, fine. Yeah. I think that generation, though, there is something. Re- it's really interesting because I've tried to contact that generation and they all just go, oh, I don't yeah. really remember. I don't, I wouldn't be any good to talk to you. I don't remember. It's like, oh, really? Really? Do you not? <laughs> It's like, is this something that you are going to talk to your, you've all got daughters. See, I've, I haven't got daughters. Is this something you think is changing? Are you going to be more open with it? Everyone's nodding. Go on. Definitely. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, I, my daughter's at the age where we, you know, we're just beginning to talk about periods and body yeah. changes and hormones. And, you yeah. know, I'm noticing mood swings and things. And I think, you know, we've got to have open conversations about the whole hormonal life of being female, which is really rubbish, isn't it? You know, it's really, really rubbish. I know, but I think that's a brilliant, that's actually, Theo, that's actually a really beautiful way of looking at it. It's the hormonal life of being a female. You know, as you were saying earlier, that thing of like, oh, you know, we've just done puberty and then we do the hormones of pregnancy and then like, and now we've got menopause. But actually it is, it's just one, if you think of it as one big hormonal wave. It is. Um, Chloe, are you talking to your daughter? Yes, Sophie, she's a year six now. So we have already embarked on all of the periods and um, obviously the body changes that she's got and she is incredibly hormonal. And are they learning about it in school? They are, and which is really helpful. Um, and her teacher or teachers, I've got to say, are, are brilliant how they deliver it and how they talk about it. And they're very, they're very open with the children and they're very good at answering their questions. So, and I, I personally think it's quite cruel not to tell your children what's out mm. there. And I do think it's mm. important because I think if we don't talk about things, we're, it's, we're sending them off blind into a world that, as you say, they're going to hit hormonal changes all the time. And if they don't know what's going to happen to them or they don't know what's happening to them, they're going to be terrified. Yeah. Or like us, fumbling in the dark, going, <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, uh, Judy, are you talking to your daughter? Is it, Or is, oh, it, is it too... Young? No, I definitely have. Well, she's we're, uh, she's very curious person. <laughs> so, so don't open the door. Mummy needs to see curious in that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just hand privacy over, don't oh, you, yeah. when you give birth? No privacy, no dignity. Surely. <laughs> I thought I had a sliver of it still left. You know, it's, no. But I I think it's really important because I feel similarly to you guys that I didn't have that conversation with my mum, and I'm from an Indonesian background. And so when I got my period, I was 12 years old and we were on a family holiday in, in Jakarta. And I remember staying at my auntie and uncle's place and my grandmother was there. And I remember shouting from the bathroom, which I didn't realize I was shouting that I, I'm bleeding. And then next thing you know, um, my mother coming and then my grandmother ceremonially she put a nice you know plastic bucket of water and we had some rose petals and then I got showered with it sort of thinking what's going on a bit surreal and that was my introduction to having my period in this next stage of my life and that's as far as it went until I had the conversation later on with my mum to ask her oh yeah did, did you go through this sort of menopausal thing she said no <laughs> no <laughs> she just said no she was on HRT for other reasons so she just skipped it all <laughs> I got I, I was on HRT for um dryness she said that's all she could really <laughs> elaborate on at all and then and then she got off of it although she dipped into a terrible terrible sort of anxiety and depression um probably from coming off of it yeah i was going to say after coming off it it's all mixed up it could have been that it could have been my dad passing it could have been 
I don't know, all these sorts of things and them never communi- you know, yeah. being open about emotions. But yeah, that, that was sort of it. And all I can remember is my mom saying to my sister when I've got an older sister and she would say to me, oh, she's really forgetful. I'm a bit worried about her. But funnily enough, me and my sister have not had one conversation about it, but I swear to God, she must have been going through something at that time with my mom saying that she was forgetful. Yeah, yeah. How much older is she than you? She's about three years older than me. So she's um, sort of in her early 50s now. It is that thing of not talking. I mean, Theo, have you got sisters? So I've got two sisters, yeah, both of them older than me. Both of them clearly embarked on their exciting menopausal journey. We are not speaking of it in any in any form, in <laughs> any way. going on with that? There's no acknowledgement, no hormones. We don't talk about that. We're British. We just don't acknowledge it at all. It's the crazy thing, isn't it? Because there is, there is so much evidence that, I mean, obviously not categorically what your mum or your sisters went through is what you'll go through, but it has a, you know, I mean, I think you'll have a similar experience, especially if you go through it very early. We should be, we're doing a disservice to our kids. Well, hopefully we won't be doing a disservice to our kids. But it's interesting that we have these kind of ideas about first periods, don't we? And transitions and, you know, sort of cringy, you know, you're a woman now, you know, but there's nothing like that for the menopause. It's just something that we don't talk about. It's something sort of unsavory that happens towards the end of our lives. And, you know, it's it's part of our decline into decrepitness. Do you think it is the stigma of that it's part of the decline into decrepitness? And I really want to, we've touched on this before, and I really want to, and I will be doing an entire episode about cultures that venerate old age. The women, they have less severe symptoms. That's a slight generalization because it's usually sort of Japan and things and they have a lot of soy-based food as well. And so it's like, it's a lifestyle. But I do believe that if we took away the stigma, you know, you're no longer sexy, you're no longer vibrant, you're no longer a worthwhile member of society, then women would feel a bit less scared about going through it. Women in the media were so obsessed with youth, looking youthful. Mm, Definitely. And also we have a culture of being slightly frightened of older women. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're they're the ladies with, you know, with um, gingerbread cottages that, you know, children are really aren't they? They're a little bit other. But it is that thing of the the image of the crone and the Mm. old woman. It's like, you know, old, old is evil in our society in women though because even when you look at the bachelor yeah that's a lovely bumpy bumpy bachelor yeah. or a spiky spinster yeah, yeah. no yeah. you're absolutely right yeah yeah yeah. and men are silver foxes yeah. they get you know they get better with age they're like a good wine whereas women should just go away <laughs> <laughs> you've got crow's feet now shuffle off be invisible well off to your cottage <laughs> After your cottage, exactly. I also think that possibly women don't talk about it for the reason that we have spent so many years fighting to get into roles that we've always been able to do and to be in organisations on a par with men that suddenly, I mean, I know of people who've made massive, massive job errors. And it is all down to the menopause. And I think that you become terrified that if, the people within your organization think, oh, she's menopausal. And then there are some safe spaces. I mean, where I work, there's a collection of us all going through the same thing at the same time and very few male people in there. So, you know, for us, it's kind of where 
I guess, holding each other up and saying, gosh, yes, that had to happen. Organisations where they've always been dominated by males. It must be terrifying to be going through this and think, I can't let anyone see this because it's just going to be, see, we said women couldn't do it. See, we said they could never be like men. But it's so true. But I I, kind of wonder if there's that that Western culture of competition. And it's so true that in um, more male-dominated businesses, industries, whatever, you can't show it in a way because you got to compete yeah. with them and show that you can do the job and then in, in my work although we're female dominated there are a lot of young people who I just can't relate to so I I, I seek out you know some people like a, a, another friend of mine she's we're similar age and then we just have these little catch-ups meetings and saying oh are you there like you're so lucky Chloe that you've got a group of you around there that, that boosts you keep on going because that if if it weren't for yeah. my little coffee chats in the first thing in the morning to say am I going crazy or is this okay <laughs> yeah I read yeah. a really interesting book about the difference between the female and male response to fight or flight and the idea that fight or flight is actually an incredibly male response when they've done brain scans uh, women do have that similar yeah. uh, response, but they also have what's known as a tend and befriend response, which came from when we were hunter-gatherers and the idea that you grabbed all your children around you and all the other women. So in a in a, in a stressful situation, yeah. there was a different part of the brain that lit up yeah. for men and women, and women need other women around them. And that's, that's why I'm doing this, because I think it's really, really vital that we talk to one another. And suddenly you go, that thing of, oh, I'm not going mad and I'm not alone because we, we put up with so much silently, don't we? I guess it's like hormones, you know, female hormones. They're kind of messy things that we want to hide. We need to be a bit more man, don't we? We need to be a bit more professional, a bit more level-headed. You know, yeah. we, we don't want to talk about what we're going through or how we're actually feeling. You know, actually I'm feeling a bit homicidal at the moment. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to and carry on with the conversation. You know, so, and, and if we're not talking about it to each other, then how's anyone to know? We just keep yeah. on hiding the messy hormone responses, won't we? Yeah. But why should we be doing that you know why couldn't we be a bit more female with the way that we're working the way we're talking to other people you know the way we're running our businesses or raising our children you know why do we have to be level-headed no but as you say it's the thing of you see the women in power and I'm thinking Thatcher and Truss and and you they sort of have to be more male than the men you know and it's like oh why can't you bring a bit Mm -hmm. of femininity and and all that means I don't mean like you know soft furnishings and things like that but you know (laughs) (laughs) The idea of, you know, what we bring so much more to the game than, and we, as you say, we need to embrace this. And I think that comes from us. Totally. To be more, we all want to be more male, yet actually we go through all of this and still have the jobs. When the school has a sick child, the first port of call is always the mother, even though she's working, always the mum that comes, you know, it's always the mum that sorts out the childcare nine times out of 10. And and I am married to a man who I'd say is very invested in our children and he's a very good dad. But there are certain roles that just seem to fall into your lap and you think, be more male. No, actually, we can do so many more things and keep so many more things in the air. I think, obviously, like menopause, if they'd had menopause, we wouldn't be sat here talking about it. (laughs) 
But it's interesting that it's it's just women talking about it today, isn't it? You know, I, I can't help feeling that this is a conversation that we should all be having, you know, men and women, yeah. Yeah. you know, because, the, I mean, women's health is health, really. Like women's history is history. You know, it really does affect everyone. Yeah. If you're not going through it, you're being shouted at irrationally by somebody who is going through it, you know. Exactly. It affects everybody. And then, yeah. and I will be talking to men. But I, you had a wonderful thing of you said that you're, is he 10? Your son? My ten-year-old son. Yeah. Your ten-year-old son was being amazing. It gives me hope for the future. What was he saying? <laughs> we were talking about hormones and periods, and he said that he thought it was really important that he knew about this because it's affecting half of the people in the world, isn't it, Mummy? I love him, and and, it, and it's great. But at the same time, I, th- I don't think my husband would know a mood swing if it, you know, if it bit him on the bum. You know, he has no, you know, he, he hasn't noticed. My ten-year-old son is more hormonally, emotionally literate than my husband, you know. But that gives us hope then, doesn't it, that our children might be more in tune, both the male and the female ones more in tune. You know, and we talk about this for our daughter all the time, you know, how do we make our son understand how privileged he is, but how much he needs to understand and accommodate. The women around Mm. him. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap things up. So can I just ask one last question? What do you wish you'd known before? Well, no, I just don't want to be apologetic about it. I find that I catch myself um, at work saying, oh, I'm so sorry, it's just my hormonal brain. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I think that that conversation we had about what we can impart to our, 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 our daughters and our children about it, it's just like, no, this is life. Do you know this is okay. This is how we'll ride it through. And and you're wonderful and beautiful the way you are. So I wish I could have understood it in a way that it's, uh, it's part of my journey and growing and aging. Um, and I don't need to apologize for it. (laughs) Yeah. Aging is not a bad thing. With age comes wisdom. As everyone says for men, happens with women as well. You know, we can be wise old women rather than crones, uh, and have, a confidence that I didn't have in my 20s or 30s. And maybe see that the menopause isn't the end of something. You know, we're so youth-centric, aren't we? You know, our our lifespan is judged by fertility. You know, the menopause is the beginning of something, surely. Yeah. Yeah. As the orca thing, we could live for another 40 or 50 years post-reproductively and we can actually be massively more productive members of society because we're not running around looking after children, although we all while still running around looking after children. We just need the pension for it now. Don't worry. For 40 more years, are you kidding me? Chloe, what about you? Well, pretty much what you guys have said. I think it would be helpful to have something handed to you when you hit your late 30s to say, here's some things you might want to think of doing. Because it's like, you know, horse gate bolted oh now you're menopausal try all these vitamins or try and, and all these healthy options there are so many mixes of foods you can take why aren't we taking those at 35 why are we waiting till we've literally stood on the edge of a bridge to jump off where somebody says oh hang on try these few things yeah, yeah. why didn't you do that like five years ago it's crept and crept and then it's hit this wall and it's gone and now i'm ticking every box 
five years ago, you know, things like food and exercise and all those things that I could have possibly put into my day because there was more urgency and more important to factor myself into yeah. my life. It's having yeah. the context that you could, and framework that you could understand and plot your, your symptoms and journey and your experiences into, but being able to be proactive about it rather than reactive and yeah. thinking of you really holistically. Be nice. Yeah. And as you say, not getting yourself to that precipice point yeah. in all forms of medicine, we should be being more proactive, shouldn't we? And especially in the menopause, yeah. you know, work out what are likely to be menopausal symptoms so that you can start joining your dots a bit sooner. And as you say, Chloe, the idea that you could have done the exercise and the before it got to a point where it was actually really difficult for you to do it. Yeah. And also the thing is, we know that we are going to hit menopause. Mm. We know that it's coming. It's not, it's not, and I, I'm right in thinking that everybody does. It's just, it everybody like, does. Yeah. It, how, you know, you know, it can last 12 years. It can last 12 minutes. Yeah. Every single one. It's not something you can escape. Mm. It should be death, taxes, and the menopause. If you're <laughs> female. You know, I mean, it is, it is that thing of you can't escape it. It's not like somewhere, oh, well, you know, you choose not to do it. At some level, it's going to hit you. And as you say, it's like it shouldn't be something that is suddenly you go, oh, it shouldn't be a retrospective treatment option. But on a fundamental level, that's because we're not talking about it. Yeah. You know, we're no. teaching children about, you know, fertility, reproduction, the beginning of your hormonal journey. We're not talking about the end at all, are we? You know, I, I, it was never mentioned in any of the education you know, sort of, you know, special girl sessions that I had at school, no. you know, and, and I don't really know very much about it, you know, and it's quite embarrassing, you know, I mean, I'm a reasonably well-educated person. I've been female for a long time now. I, I should know about this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, honestly, you are not alone. Everyone I speak to says, I'm articulate, I'm intelligent, I'm well-read. Like, how did I not? I feel embarrassed that I didn't know about this. And actually, as you were saying, Judy, the idea that let's take away the embarrassment, none of us know. And the first step is us talking about it and feeling supported. And then yeah. hopefully the rest will... At least you can have a laugh with someone about it too, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing you know we need to be there for one another and just go oh god that was crap <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much you beautiful women i i really appreciate you taking the time and being brave enough to be honest about it thank you very very thank much you. thank you Next time, Dr. Katie's back, and we're unpacking what I, and no doubt you, consider to be the biggest topic surrounding the menopause, HRT. Dr. Katie explains why the scary breast cancer headlines are based on outdated information, what the risks are compared to our evening glass of wine, the HRT needs to be individualised to each woman, and how we're now discovering that keeping our oestrogen levels topped up can actually have huge long-term health benefits. If you want to join in, head to bemoreorcopod.co.uk. You'll find our pod forum, full of women just like you, finding the funny in what we're all going through and sharing stories, so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again. And if you have a question about anything you've heard, 
or a hot topic you'd like to hear covered on the pod, then email me on bemoreorcapod at gmail.com or follow me at b.more.orca.com.